Hello everyone and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Encrypted is the Middle East's first and largest podcast dedicated to blockchain and crypto assets. I'm your host Ahmed al Balaghi, and in today's episode we have Gabriel Abed, who is the founder of Bit, a company known for inventing central bank digital currencies. And it's actually super relevant because I'm sure everyone here has seen or heard about the news of Facebook and Libra. And this is what this whole episode is going to be about. We'll be covering everything you need to know about Libra, why it's being created, what it is and how Facebook will be implementing it. We cover Libra from the context of privately stable issued money, what this means for you and I, what this means for crypto in general and also central banks. Given Gabriel's extensive work with central banks in the past, he gives a lot of insight on how Libra could actually aid central banks and how his company Bit is perfectly positioned more than ever. Before we jump in, I would really like to thank those who have been supporting the show. And remember, you can support us in any way possible. You can subscribe, rate and review the show, sharing the podcast on your social media and any other way you feel like supporting. We enjoy this episode a lot and we really hope that you do as well. Showtime, guys. Hello, everyone. My name is Ahmed Al-Balaghi and welcome to the Encrypted Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. And I'm with a very special guest today, a really close friend as well. His name is Gabriel Abed. Say hello. Hi, Ahmed. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm happy to be here. Yes, so I'm a founder of Bit.com, a company out of the island of Barbados in the Caribbean. And what we're known for is being the inventors of central bank digital currencies, and currently the leading company in the world working with central banks and blockchain-based technology. That is absolutely awesome stuff because this topic resonates so well with what we're going to discuss today. And that's all about Libra and how that affects central banks. So do you want to give a quick 30-second pitch about what Libra is so that you know we could let everyone know what exactly this Facebook currency is, what they're trying to do, and then we'll do a little bit of a deep dive and then we could go into how that affects everything else. In essence, Libra is a privately issued money system by Facebook. The intentions are to create a monetary solution that allows a digital version of fiat currencies to exist on the Facebook platform and in an ecosystem. They've included several other major corporations to participate in this endeavor. And in short, it is national currencies becoming digital. And it's a new way of looking at how cryptocurrencies can now start playing a role within private organizations. This is privately issued money. So it's a different way that we need to think about money now. Typically, fiat currencies are issued by central banks and predominantly they are the ones responsible for the issuance, circulation, management and supply. And now we're seeing an effect where a private corporation is now doing this on their own. Libra is not the first to attempt this. We've seen several companies do this over the past couple of years. You have Tether, you have Gemini, you have Circle, you have Coinbase. The reason that Libra is so hot and so popular and a topic of interest is because Facebook themselves have over 2 billion users. So this is becoming something that is market and mainstream. And that has some dramatic effects for how we view the trending scenarios of cryptocurrencies. I totally agree with that. And I think that what makes this so impactful is the fact that 
they are essentially backing this currency with sort of a basket of stable assets. And this will eventually be exchangeable and it will trade against other forms like the USD and the euro. And like I said, it's a private form of money. And if we look back in recent history, just a bit older than Bitcoin as well, you have e-gold, which was created and then it was banned by the government, the US government. You also had David Chalm who created Digicash and that was also banned by the US government after its launch. And so, I mean, because of Facebook's 2 billion users and the fact that they are able to access this global market, some jurisdictions might allow them to do it or not. We, we still don't know. Okay, so given the fact that it's a private form of money and they are issuing it with the backing of stable assets, it does this in effect become a, a competitor to central banks because this currency will be essentially trading its fiat? It, it, depends on, it depends on how you're looking at this. I wouldn't call it competition to a central bank specifically because a country will always have a sovereign need for local trade. And central banks set the monetary policies within their local jurisdictions. And a Facebook or a private corporation-based solution will not necessarily displace that. But what this does do is it gives utility for those users who wish to see access to systems and services online. And in particular, it might be local as well. But the thing to note here is that Central banks and monetary authorities set the fiscal policies and rules within a local country. So while Facebook may exist on the internet, they're still going to need to be regulated by those various jurisdictions. Now, in some cases, what's ironic is that this is just really a form of digital US dollar, because most of the country's fiat currencies are backed by the hard reserve of the US dollar in any case. And what's interesting in this particular scenario is this is basically a digital US dollar that's becoming prevalent through a, uh, a multi-billion dollar organization with billions of consumers. And it's basically being masked under the pretense of a blockchain-based technology. And it's Facebook's brilliant way of trying to get around the regulation by saying, hey, hey, listen, we're, we're running this through a foundation it's decentralized and it's not going to be controlled by us per se, and it's using blockchain-based technology. And they're looking at the advent of Bitcoin and how Bitcoin has skirt-tailed the regulations of some jurisdictions. And I believe this is an attempt to ride the coattail of Bitcoin's success and break into the money transmission market and become a WeChat for the global internet users. Because, you know, WeChat is, is not just social, but it's also a payment system. And Facebook has been wanting to enter this space for quite a while. And this is a very good way of them doing it while using cryptocurrencies as the scapegoat to accomplish this mission. To go back to your point about the foundation, which is really interesting. So that you have Libra, which is the coin, which is not particularly owned by Facebook, but it's governed by this foundation, which was set up in Switzerland. Um, and you pointed out these members, I think there are 28 members. Most of these are tech titans, you know, they're payment companies like Visa, MasterCard, Stripe, PayPal also involved. And you have a few non-for-profits there as well. But what's really funny is you don't have any banks involved in any of these foundations. You know, given your experience with dealing with central banks and banks as well, what, what would you say if you were 
you know, a banking executive looking at, you know, this announcement? Well, banks have traditionally not been innovative because of how they're designed with regards to regulation and the mandates that they have to follow. In addition to that, it's not within their profit cycles to be innovative because sometimes innovation comes with cutting costs and reducing inefficiencies. But if I was a banking executive, I would start to question how I can upgrade my entire banking enterprise solution to start adopting these digital currencies and the advent of cash-based digital systems. I would also start looking at Libra as maybe a solution to solving particular problems within my banking uh, environment, such as the ability to send and receive instantly, uh, lowering the cost of barriers from access, increasing uh, user retention rates from the perspective of allowing users to have access to a global monetary system. But then more specifically, I would also look in the specific regards to Libra, I would look at becoming a validator, a node validator for the solution, because otherwise we are the third parties that can, in essence, the middleman, that in essence can be cut out from the, the payment and banking scenarios of sending and receiving payments. And that's quite literally what we're about to see. Could you just give a context? What, what is a node validator and what would it be in the context of the Libra? So the node validator is Libra's way of launching. Without being too technical, it's basically proof of stake. And it's a way of having parties validate transactions through a system that allows authenticity and authentication of a particular transaction to go through its network. Uh, so a node validator in a bank sense would be a way that a bank can provide an on-ramp, off-ramp, while also participating in verification of particular transactions. It would allow banks to participate in the ecosystem and to also generate a revenue from being one of these validators. So if someone wanted to learn more about a node validator, I would start researching proof of stake and understanding how that worked. And then I would dive into understanding the Libra node validators to give a very good context of how that would function and work within, within the banking enterprise or in generally uh, within the Libra enterprise. Yeah, particularly within Libra enterprise, they are, you know, if you, go, if you want to be a node operator, so essentially each member would have to pay, what, $10 million, something like that to become a node validator. And they want to, I think, take it, well, they have 28 now, they want to up this to 100 and that basically means you know one billion dollars at least in terms of investment into this new network which is in terms of eos standards eos for those who know eos they actually raised four billion dollars last year anyhow that's aside the point but what, what's really interesting is is that i mentioned before we have mastercard and visa part of this network do you think them being a part of it would they actually you know, generate new revenue that could actually be more than the traditional revenue that they um, that they t been typically receiving. Because them being involved in this basically means that you know Facebook can actually go to Mastercard and Visa to access their network as opposed to Swift. So Mastercard and Visa are, could see this as a new way of potentially generating revenue in the future due to these cryptocurrencies as opposed to relying on the traditional things that they've been doing? I don't see this as being 
displacement of revenue per se. And while it may be a new revenue stream, I don't think it's going to be their major revenue stream. Remember, Visa and MasterCard, after all, are credit-based networks and interest sits at the core of their offering. But what I see Libra doing for them is allowing their current customer base to have a more seamless interaction with external payment networks and external payment systems, which in essence allows them to have a higher retention rate, allows them to increase the amount of customers utilizing their platform. It gives their existing customers more utility, but furthering that, it also allows them to continue to provide their current offering, which are credit-based services. I don't see that going anywhere for them as that is their main revenue model. But what I see this doing for them is creating a more efficient way of on-ramping, off-ramping dollars in and out of their network. No, no, that's really interesting to talk about now about the app that Facebook developed, which they actually own called Calibra. So this app, essentially, you could store, send and receive these Libra coins. And of course, that app can be integrated very well with WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. But what's interesting, I found out as well, is that you don't have to be a Facebook or WhatsApp user or a Messenger user to use a coin. You could just have that Calibra app in uh, just just that alone to send and receive information. Given the backlash from regulators and from a lot of people who've, you know, seen the Facebook scandal and now Facebook have come out with this and said, okay, these guys are like this with our personal information. What would they do with our, you know, private financial data? How do you think Facebook will react to that? Do you think, you know, given that their size and power, they will still be able to pull Remember, Facebook's business model is data collection and monetization. So for one to think that their intentions are anything shy of capturing and monetizing data from financial activity, then <laughs> then yeah. you'd be you'd be very foolish to think it's it's anything other than that. Now it's interesting that they have the Libra Foundation. And they're acting as though this is a, a, an association of, or a federation of members that isn't controlled by Facebook. But the question then boils down of, of what happens if, if one of the organizations or something occurs within this network that Facebook doesn't agree to? Are they going to just stand back and allow this to occur? Would they exert their force? And that's yet to be proved or seen. But I don't imagine that Facebook's intentions are anything shy of data collection and monetization. This is, this is their business model. And this is very well, in my opinion, their intention is to grab more data. Um, they are a data-hungry company and to make the best of that data within their already given data sets of a user's life on social media. This is a great complement to that. And it was the natural evolution of where a social network would go. So it makes perfect sense that Facebook would build out a payment system and a payment network with an attempt to capture the information behind that. And to add to that, I also think what's really interesting about this coin, given that the evolution of a social platform is that people will probably be able to actually donate using Libra via Instagram, or you'd be able to literally gift influencers maybe through a tap of a button using Libra I mean the, I think these use cases could also pan out as opposed to just sending and receiving 
Libra tokens, like cross-borderless. So I really think those sorts of instances can can happen, as well as like if you wanted to buy an ad from Facebook, you could probably just use Libra as well. I mean, I think you know it will it would be like such a huge beast, probably much bigger than WeChat because WeChat only relies on their RMB. Well, look, Libra is doing nothing innovative. Everything that they're attempting to do has been done, but on smaller, more inconsequential networks and by smaller players in the industry of payments. The advantage that Facebook has, once again, is their massive size in that they're the largest social network in the world, comprising of the most humans ever within one stop. So utilizing that size to their advantage, they're taking the advent of digital currencies, incorporating that into their network, and all of a sudden there's massive utility from already existing innovation combined with already existing market share. So it's really it's really a, a effort of of digital currencies and cryptocurrencies meet large user share and market adoption. So this is cryptocurrencies going mainstream, but from a very centralized approach. And while this is not the most ideal way that some of us would have liked to have seen cryptocurrencies grow, it is nonetheless leaps and bounds from where we were five years ago in the cryptocurrency industry. And this is, to me, a very good thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing. And in furthering that, the utility that can come out, it can be seen by the end user and it becomes the perfect on-ramp for a sensor-resistant network like Bitcoin. So this is a very good thing in my opinion, because all it's going to do is teach the rest of the world about how digital dollars function and furthering that with more education, it would allow users to realize that maybe a sensor-based network that is collecting my data isn't the best approach for a payment network. And ultimately we'll see some sort of fall off and an increase in users adopting decentralized math-based protocols. So essentially, so that that was going to be my question. Would this Libra project actually help and assist the adoption of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Litecoin? And I, yeah, I totally agree. I think it would. Everyone would be researching what digital currencies are. They'll be used to the fact that they could send, you know, a digital dollar, like they could send a WhatsApp message all across the world. And once they see, you know, if Facebook would ever to, you know, actually do something with their data in a bad way, well, there's another option, which is Bitcoin and all these other currencies, which are not controlled by a certain figure or entity. So let's, let's, let's make no mistake here. Let's not confuse Libra with that of Bitcoin, you know, apples and oranges, two very different things. Libra is a centralized solution. And it's backed by national fiat currencies, commodities, and other sorts of of value asset systems, all within a basket, driven on an online platform. It is sensor-proof. It is issued by a centralized company. It's run by private corporations. And this is everything that Bitcoin is not. Bitcoin is the complete opposite of that on the digital spectrum. Bitcoin is decentralized, it's sensor resistant, it's open and accessible to everybody, and it's it's a solution that was designed without a central figurehead in mind. 
which Libra very much has a central figurehead in mind. It's called Mark Zuckerberg. So this is this is not to be confused. I don't think I think the the users in the crypto world um, comparing the two are making a mistake. I don't think they are they are the same thing at all. Nor do I think that one can hurt the other. I believe that both can exist in the ecosystem. And both serve particular use cases and, and utility for their respective networks. The beautiful part is we have Bitcoin still, and that's never going to go anywhere because Bitcoin is decentralized and it is a math-based protocol that's pure, integral, and transparent. And I think we need to not confuse the two anymore or try to compare the two. They're, they're going to only complement each other. And ultimately, in the end, you know, Libra is making a claim that they want to build a global, a global system for payments. Well, I would have to say this. We already have that. And it's called Bitcoin. The global system already exists. It's already there. It's already functioning. And it's only a matter of time before the rest of the market wakes up, becomes educated and moves towards this superior monetary solution. And this is just my personal opinion. And shouldn't reflect that of of my company, my peers, or the other industry colleagues and my other colleagues in the industry. I I always love a good Bitcoin shell. <laughs> that that was a really good Bitcoin shell. Anyhow, so to segue onto central banks, which you've been working with for the past couple of years, what would you advise? You know the the central banks that you've been working with you know, on how to actually not only just digitize the things that they're doing, but should they get involved in Libra or should they not be compared? Bit.com currently works with a few central banks and we help them digitize their national digital dollar. Company is led by our CEO, Senator Rodden Adams. And I don't know what his uptake or discussions have been with central banks in the last couple of days with the announcements of Libra, but I'm pretty sure he's, he's been having an interesting time. But the, the, point, the point that's important to carry away here is that central banks don't need to fear this. What they need to do instead is understand that this could really advance their agenda for fiscal policy, control, maintenance, and in, in looking at this technology, what they need to do is, in fact, embrace cryptocurrencies and look at what Bit.com is building. Bit is building a solution where central banks can issue their national digital do- their national dollars on a digital platform. Now, Libra steps in and becomes an on-ramp, off-ramp solution between those central banks and their national digital dollars. If central banks do not move down the road and move towards national digital dollars or central bank issued digital currencies, then they will not have that gateway or that, that parallel interface to this new platform or to this new rise of, of monetary solutions. And in essence, their citizens are the ones that suffer. So let's look at a scenario of where a user in a small island developing state wants to access Libra, or or more importantly, has already accessed Libra, they need to cash it out and spend it in their local society. You're never going to get everyone in that local society willing to accept Libra. 
they're going to want their national dollar because it's known and it's trusted by the citizen of that country. Where a central bank can step in is they can issue their national dollar digitally. And then all of a sudden you have a parallel approach, an on-ramp, off-ramp, a, a unified way of being able to move between the two from your national dollar to an international-based monetary solution. And this becomes extremely useful for remittances, for global sending and receiving of payments, and for the ability to take your local citizens and make them global citizens on the international scale of receiving and sending payments. So it's very important that central banks don't see this as a threat, but instead see this as a way to enhance the utility of their national dollars. So it currently makes sense for central banks to pay attention to Libra, but more importantly, pay attention to the innovation that they bring within their own jurisdiction surrounding their own dollars. And this is where Bit.com steps in. We step in, we give them the stack of technology that they require to digitize their national base. And in doing that, they have now become participants in this global ecosystem of cryptocurrencies. But more importantly, it becomes a way that they can easily move between uh, Libra, Tether, Gemini USD, Coinbase USD, or any private corporation or alternative central bank digital currency with a level of efficiency that they have never experienced before. And in essence, it unlocks massive utility for their consumers. So this is to their advantage. And to see it as a disadvantage for themselves is a miscalculated step. And that miscalculated step can result in users opting towards and preferring to use these alternative currencies as opposed to their national currencies, which can adversely affect those central banks. So it might be very wise. Actually, it is extremely wise of them to start looking at using the same said technology so that they remain ahead of the curve and they remain relevant and that they maintain their fiscal policy and controls. It's very important for central banks more now than ever to start moving towards central bank digitally issued national currencies. So this must be sort of a good time for a bit because I'm sure in the beginning years trying to convince central banks to actually, you know, digitize their, their national currency. Man, you successfully proved it in a couple of instances in the Caribbean. But I guess this now gives them much more impetus and it's easier for you to just go to them and say, look, you know, you have to do this now, otherwise it's too late. Well, the, the cool mm, the thing about a central bank is you can't force or push a central bank in any direction. They're an extremely conservative entity and organization. But this is a very exciting time for Bit.com because what Libra has in essence done for our company is not only validated our work, but has made us more relevant than ever to central banks. Because now central banks need to turn to this solution and explore how this solution is going to benefit them and avoid disruption and headache for their own citizen, their own, their own country and their own citizen base. So this is a very, very, very exciting time for the company. And it is, it is something where I believe we're going to see more uptake than we've ever seen before with very little resistance 
and the type of resistance that we saw over the years, which has been going away for the most part. You know, since Christine Lagarde, the managing director of the IMF, made recommendation that all central banks should move towards central bank digital currencies. In addition to that, the Bank of International Settlements and other multilateral organizations have been advising central banks to start exploring these avenues while taking them with a pinch of salt and understanding the risk mitigation factors involved in central bank digital currencies. The the level of resistance is going to be dramatically reduced, if not completely eliminated. And as one of the only companies in the world working with central banks to digitize their national base, this puts us in a very, very good position. And this allows us to continue doing our good work. It allows us to continue innovating with the monetary authorities. And it allows us to work with them to ensure that their disruption is a minimal and ensures that they can, they can be innovative while ensuring that the stability and, and the trust of, of their national dollar is maintained. And before I wrap up, there's also other really interesting sort of realization from, from this whole Libra thing and comparing it to how conservative central banks are. Because when you look at a central bank, you have the people who run it. They're the ones who decide, you know, the monetary policy. Looking at this foundation and the way it's governed and with all the members that it has and the fact that they dictate what backs the Libra, which is essentially different forms of these stable assets, you will eventually have, you know, tech people, investors will probably have a say in, uh, in how, how an important, really huge private currency could actually function. Do you think that we will be seeing more forms of private money in the future that is led by, you know, VCs like Anderson Horowitz, and other internet companies. I mean, if you look at the foundation, you don't have Amazon, you don't have Google, you don't have Twitter as well. It's super interesting that, you know, other forms of private money could potentially come in as well, backed by these companies and the, the monetary policy is actually dictated by tech people instead of economists and financial people. Well, it's quite interesting. You know, once again, we've seen privately issued corporation-based dollars before, and we've been seeing them over the years. Facebook has just been the largest and the most mainstream and the loudest to come out. I think what's important to note, let me just segue here for a second. You know, central banks have a very important role within society. And things like Bitcoin need to not be confused with central bank digital currencies. A central bank digital currency is a monetary authorities controlled currency issuance cycle. Bitcoin is a decentralized cryptocurrency. The two are very different. While they're both blockchain-based, one is issued via a proof-of-work process, and the other one is issued by a monetary expansion policy. So I want to make that very clear for our listeners in that my personal opinions and beliefs in, in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are very much different than the work that's being done by Bit.com. So Bit is working with central banks to build a blockchain-based version of their national dollar. This is not to be confused with the cryptocurrencies that we know in the decentralized world. Now, this is also not to be confused with private corporation-issued dollars. We will see more of these. We might even see community-issued solutions. We might see private person 
issued dollars. It all boils down to what the jurisdictional laws allow and mandate, what can be enforced, and what becomes prevalent within that local society. So I do imagine we're going to see many more corporations moving down this path, JP Coin, Google Coin. I don't imagine it's going to stop, but I also imagine that it's going to force monetary authorities to pay much more attention to this industry and to be much more innovative with how they regulate, how they enforce, how they adopt, and how they interface with these types of technologies. And it might very well put them in a new position where their job changes a little bit, but I don't imagine it's going to be something that's going to displace them entirely, but rather become an enhancement utility for them. And ultimately, look, these guys set the rules and the laws. And you either follow the rules and the laws of the country, or, well, you get prosecuted. So I don't think we're going to see corporations slowing down in this effort. I think it's going to dramatically increase. But where the buck stops and where the future lays, uh, we don't know as yet. I think this is a very interesting experiment. And I'm quite glad that Libra has now entered the race because it's taken the heat off of Bitcoin. And it's now proven that, hey, Bitcoin wasn't a bad thing. Now you're going to see what, what, what a bad thing may look like for these monetary authorities because it was a situation before where it required a lot of education, a lot of adoption. Bitcoin was seen as extremely volatile. But what happens when you have a private corporation issuing a stable version of a national dollar that is more useful than the local dollars? And it's more useful because it has more access, more spending power, more spending avenues. It's easier to hold. It's easier to send. It's easier to receive. These things you know, start to become a very big issue for monetary authorities from the perspective of how do you control this? How do you enforce it? And it's going to, it's going to make them wake up and smell the coffee. And we've never seen that before. So I'm very excited about the future. I'm very excited about the work that BID has been doing with central banks. I'm very excited about the innovation that central banks are going to bring. I'm very excited about the innovation that private corporations are going to bring. And I'm very interested to see how local laws get amended to suit this new uh, wave of innovation. And I'm very, very interested to see what the future of payment networks look like. One thing is for sure, the end user is going to be empowered. That's one thing that we know for sure. The end user is the one that stands to win because now you have competition amongst the payment sector. We have not had much competition before. It's been a monopoly-driven center. Now it's something that we're, it's not limited to banks. It's now where large corporations, small corporations, and private individuals can start participating in the payment ecosystem. And I think that is a beautiful thing because democratization of payments is a human right and the ability to send and receive and be part of a global financial system is a human right. And this is now going to enhance that for us, the consumers. And that is a great thing. And that's the main takeaway is that Libra, Bitcoin, central bank digital currencies all result in one main thing, empowerment of the consumer. Awesome stuff. 
Well, before I end up, this is a question I always want to ask the guests. And that is, so we always have people who are crypto enthusiasts and some are DAP enthusiasts. Of course, you're a Bitcoin and um, digital currency enthusiast. Do you do what you preach? Do you use Bitcoin on a daily basis? Do you use DAPs? I mean, how much of this decentralized ecosystem are you actually deeply involved in how much of these decentralized solutions are you actually using as well as using digital currencies to to pay for for your living the the truth is my preferred payment method or method of submitting a payment is using cryptocurrencies because it's just so much easier it's so much simpler it's less invasive on my privacy I don't have to reveal my credit card number, something that can be used after the fact of me being gone. When I submit a payment to you using cryptocurrencies, that's it. The payment is completed. I didn't transact any of my personal data. I didn't expose myself. And it was super simple to complete. As a matter of fact, I would less likely support a retailer than I would someone who supported cryptocurrencies. It's the number one thing I ask when I go to make a payment is that can I make a payment in Bitcoin or Ethereum? I, I do wholeheartedly believe in the digital currency movement. I do believe in math-based protocols. I eat, sleep, and uh, live cryptocurrencies. And I do believe that it's important to eat your own dog food. And I do that every single day. My hotels are paid for with Bitcoin. My plane tickets are paid for with Bitcoin. And where possible, everything that I do from buying a food to paying for medical services to whatever I need to pay for on a day-to-day basis, I generally try to use Bitcoin as much as possible as both a long-term holder, both someone who's an investor, a believer, and somebody who generally thinks that this is one of the more beautiful monetary-based solutions that we have within our society today. So absolutely... I'm a, a, a massive proponent and supporter of the movement towards decentralized cryptocurrencies. Well, it's great to see that you eat your own dog food. That, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Gabriel, for coming onto the show. If anyone wanted to come in contact with you, how would they be able to reach out? You can find me on LinkedIn by searching my name, Gabriel Abed, A-B-E-D. And I'm happy to always engage in the topic of central bank digital currencies or Bitcoin or anything that relates to blockchain-based technology. I'm extremely active in the field and very happy to always have a discussion around, around those topics. Thank you very much, man.